So a question for us is what should be our priorities for 2016 at Harvest Community Church? What are we supposed to do this year? Well, we, we're thankful that God has not left us with a, an open book on that just to do whatever we want to do. He hasn't left us to guess. We have from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, um, the basic pattern for the life of the church. How is the church supposed to do life? And though it looks different from uh, culture to culture and from age to age, these are the priorities that God has laid out for us. So we'll look at this text. And uh, where it comes from is Peter is preaching sermon on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's been given and, and uh, amazing things are happening. And so he he says to the, um, the hearers, this Jesus who you crucified, because it was uh, the people who had been responsible for Jesus' crucifixion uh, or permitting him to be crucified, this Jesus who you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And so the people said, oh, no, what do we do? We've messed up big time. How do we respond to this? And so Peter says to them in verse 41, part of verse 41, actually, he says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So starting with verse 41, we we see what happened. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the, the life of the church begins with baptism, confessing Christ. And we'll read the rest of this text. And they de- devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together with and, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So pray with me. Father, we need your spirit to cause your word to come alive to us. Give us insight into your truth. May Christ be exalted and glorified. May we be ready to do every good thing that he calls us to do this year. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So as we as we see in verse 41, the life of the church begins with confessing Christ, believing in him, and being baptized. And we're going to do that today. Pretty exciting. And then... Uh, so what did the early church do? What, what, out of the starting gate, how did they do life together? So we see that in verse 42. What was the, what was the life of the church like? Well, they continually devoted themselves to four activities, four priorities. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking bread, and the prayers. And we see, what we're going to see later in the text, this resulted in and fueled their witness of Christ, their witness for Christ. I believe God inspired this in the script, in the scriptures for us to, for the church to keep being renewed in these priorities. 
these are meant to shape the life of the church until Christ returns. So we got to, we, we have the plan laid out for us. We're just supposed to be in these things. So the first thing that they were devoted to is the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles had been with Jesus during his three years of ministry. He'd been training them to take on his ministry after he ascended to heaven. And they really didn't get his mission the whole time that he was here. They didn't understand that his mission was to die for sins of the world and, and rise again until after his resurrection. Then they started to get it. And with the giving of the Holy Spirit, they really got it. But after he was raised, he taught them for 40 days before ascending to God the Father. He taught them how the kingdom of God was being fulfilled. How is the kingdom of God going to break into to this present age? And how is it going to happen? And so um, it seems pretty, pretty uh, tame that just doing these activities, focusing on the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, Prayer is going to bring in the kingdom of God. Well, it's kingdom, kingdom of God breaking into this present age through these uh, weak things, humanly speaking. He commissioned them to be foundational teachers for the church, and we see that in verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. So they, they confirmed that they were Jesus' authorized witnesses because they were doing the works that he had done when he was on earth. In these early days after Jesus' ascension and giving of the Holy Spirit, the apostles delivered their teaching in person. There was no radio, no TV, no podcasts, no internet, no, no live streaming. And eventually some of the apostles or, or their close associates, like Luke, who wrote Acts, um, got, put down their teaching in writing. So we got the New Testament in our Bibles. So for us today to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, we must be sure we are teaching what the apostles taught. And we only know what they taught by what they wrote in the scriptures. And what the apostles wrote and how they interpreted the Old Testament was through the lens of the gospel. That is through the incarnation, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his return. That's why we are committed to regular teaching straight from the scriptures understood and applied in, in the light of the gospel because most of the time we are walking through books of the Bible because that helps keep us in how the apostles meant it to be understood, keeps it in the context of what, of what they wrote. As important as hearing the Bible taught is in our large group gatherings on Sunday mornings, we need to engage in the scriptures in a small group interactive setting. And one way that we do that is on Sunday morning uh, here Across the hall, we, we review the last week's message and apply it. And so we, we, we make the most of, of our opportunity to, to re, re, uh, go over what this, what we taught the prior week and we, uh, study it and apply it. And community groups meet at various times during the week and are a vital way to search out God's word together. So we, we need to be together in engaging God's word. Some of you have been meeting in informal men's or, or, or women's small groups, and I say informal, meaning that we're not setting up some structure uh, in, in what you're doing. So some of you have met, met together, studied the Bible together, um, been account, accountability groups together. So that's great. But we, 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 the Holy Spirit works in our midst. The Spirit of God works in applying the scriptures when we can discuss them in small groups. He gives different insights to each of us, so we're able to encourage and teach one another as his word richly dwells among us. 
We also have teachers for Sunday school for children, so that's great. Kids are getting the scriptures taught to them. We have a middle school teaching that goes on during this time, as well as Wednesdays, middle school and high school students are being taught the scriptures. What we need in this new year is at least one more community group host home. So consider that if your home could be open to another community group, and we need a couple people to um, facilitate, to, to lead discussions in those groups. And for your own Bible reading, um, I mean, there's Bible apps in galore these days, but we have uh, some printed uh, Bible reading plans available for you at the information desk as well. So let's keep devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We keep doing that Sunday mornings. We do that during the week. And um, that's a priority for us. We don't have to make that up. The second thing they were devoted to is the fellowship. And basically that word just means sharing, sharing life together. They shared physical and, and, and relational uh, needs with one another. They shared physical and financial resources, and, and they served one another. The example that, that uh, they give here is the way that they provided for the poor among them. And we see this in verses 44 through 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, this wasn't communism. They weren't um, required to relinquish ownership of all their stuff and put it into a common pot. They, the scenario was that suddenly they're gathering together. There's 3,000 of them, and there's a lot of poor people among them. And they, they were the first church at Jerusalem. And there were, so um, with all the poor people among them, in loving Christian fellowship, those who had means immediately converted some of their assets to cash and put it into the Compassion Fund. Well, they, they may have not called it the Compassion Fund. We have that here. And they, as needs arose, they, they shared what they had. So very simple. In other words, the fellowship is loving and serving one another in concrete, practical ways with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Once again, community groups are a great place for that to happen. Uh, that's where we share life together, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another, being aware of needs. Uh, email and website and Facebook are helpful with that as well. Uh, a great example of that is a few weeks ago when wa water from heavy rains was getting into the Fiscum's basement. Greg posted a call for help on Facebook, and um, a, a number of people swooped in, swooped in. I mean, it's just, they swooped. <laughs> I don't know if they had capes and, you know, letters on the shirt, but they swooped in, and they stacked sandbags. And uh, so that kind of helped things, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, our youth group is a great place for fellowship for the youth. They, they're surrounded by their peers, and they encourage one another in high school, middle school. And there's winter and summer camps that help um, them grow together continually, and as well as um, family camp that takes place in August. Opportunities for us to come together and encourage one another and develop deepen our relationships with one another. The early church didn't have buildings, so they were smart. They met in the temple for large group gatherings and in homes for smaller gatherings. 
we do have a building and we're very grateful for it. It's paid for. Well, sort of. We have to keep paying for the use of it, but, but the, the cost of the building itself is paid for. That's a huge blessing. But uh, we have needs for um, repairs and things like that. So some, in, in terms of fellowship, some of you have participated in things like replacing the windows out here. Uh, you help patch the roof, and you've done painting on the exterior of the buildings and many other setup and maintenance things like setting up, tearing down chairs, all kinds of things that are sharing in the life of the body uh, by helping with the building. We do have some capital projects coming up, which means big dollar items. And we've, we've got a building fund going for that, and so you'll be hearing more about that. But things like repairing the, the parking lot, um, replacing the roof. The roof will need to be replaced in a few years, probably. And we'll, we need a new tractor lawnmower for cutting the grass. So we're save, saving up money for things like that. We don't just share our resources within our church body. We meet needs in the community and, and among the nations as well. We donate room furnishings for open house ministries. That's uh, for homeless families. We support Pathways, which is a ministry that helps pregnant women to choose not to abort their babies and provide services before and after birth. We support All God's Children International's work with orphans in Ethiopia and Haiti. And we've um, been on site with some of those locations. We're also involved with Teen Reach Adventure Camps, which gives foster kids a great weekend experience of being loved and served in Christ's name. So you hear us talk about TRAC, T-R-A-C, Teen Reach Adventure Camps. And we're getting started with TRAC Life, which is uh, mentoring uh, those who have connected with the kids at the camps are available to mentor them on an ongoing basis. So that's just getting started, and we're eager for that to, to, to get more traction. And also this year, we, we made this opportunity available in the past as well, but um, Basque students from Basque Country, which is near Spain, are um, uh, need summer, it's called summer in the USA, and they need homes to stay in for three weeks. So we're, we're making that available again this year. You're going to hear more about that as well, summer in the USA. You also participate in, in sharing in the fellowship by serving with your skills and, and spiritual gifts. Many of you are involved in serving, whether teaching, music, ushering, greeting, helping with various events, hosting community groups, meeting needs, a missions team, and other ways. Thank you for doing that. And if you, if you haven't yet found a way to serve, maybe 2016 can be your year to, to connect with serving the body in some way. And you also share in the life of the body and fellowship by sharing of your, uh, contributing out of your financial resources. Now, I don't know what anyone gives, except I know what Patty and I give. But there's someone who does know what you give, and that's Alyssa. So just for a test, Alyssa, just pick out three people here at random and, and tell us what they give. Maybe not. Oh, you're lucky. She's gone. In any church body, there are those who have learned the joy of regular investing some of their money in what Christ is doing in and through their local church family. I love what it says in First Chronicles chapter 29. 
The people rejoiced because they had given willingly with the whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. There are always those who haven't yet taken that responsibility to heart or have felt, hey, I don't have any money. I don't have much money, so it's not worth giving anything. And uh, what Jesus looks at is our hearts. He looks at our heart. Do we give out of gratitude for what he has given to us and trusting him to cause our gifts to bear fruit for the gospel and for the glory of Christ? Do we value what Christ values, investing in his work through the church? We apply money to what we value, don't we? So you might value the $1.3 billion that's available through the um, Powerball. And if you do win that and you decide to give some, just don't let us know, source. Question is, what would Jesus have you give in 2016? Not just the, not just to Harvest, but to your church family as well as to other ministries that are that God would have you connect with. Well, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to breaking of bread. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Day by day, they attended the temple together. They, they did ministry together. They were Jews who were now followers of Christ, and they had the tradition of temple attendance. And now they had the Messiah whose saving work was symbolized in the temple and its priests and its sacrifices and other rituals. They loved being together daily in, in the worship of, in the fulfillment in what had been shadows and symbols of the reality that they, that they had in, in Jesus. The breaking of bread refers to both sharing meals together and sharing in the Lord's Supper together, the Lord's table, the communion meal. They took their food together with glad and generous, or could say humble hearts. They received their food together with joyful and humble hearts. They came from diverse backgrounds economically and socially, but they enjoyed being together and eating together. It strengthened their unity and their relationships as the family of God. It's no wonder that when Christ returns and we're gathered to him, what we'll join him in is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be an awesome meal. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's good for us to have meals together in groups large and small, and with at least some of those meals to include taking the Lord's Supper. We do that here on Sundays as well. And what that says is in taking the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, the communion meal together, we are acknowledging that our the heart of our unity and life together and love for one another is the body and blood, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's that's what shapes our life. That's why we are together. That's that's what separates us from being lost and makes us to be the people of Christ. In so doing, we are celebrating the new covenant that Jesus has fulfilled for us, and we're anticipating the marriage supper. It's kind of like rehearsal dinner. Rehearsal dinner for the final meal that we'll have with Christ, ultimate meal. This past year before Easter, we had a dinner together with communion called Bread and Body. And so we may be doing that again this year. We we pretty regularly, uh, twice a month, we have the uh, fruit and pastry available. And in your community, in your community groups, don't go too long without having a meal together. It's just it's in the Bible. You're supposed to eat together, so do it. Just do it. 
Family Dinner, our college-age ministry, they've got it dialed in. They eat together every week. And then they devoted themselves to prayer, to the prayers. Um, we see the results of one of their prayers in Acts 4.31. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered t- together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So I wonder how they prayed. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. If we want to see God's work done in his way, by his power, in his wisdom, we need to be devoted to prayer. If we want to see the gospel spread in our community and among the nations, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. If we want Harvest Community Church to be a church where lives are being transformed and healed, where disciples of Christ are multiplied, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. If we want to be in awe of God in our worship, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. If we want marriages to be strengthened and children to be zealous for Christ, we need to be devoted to prayer. In our homes, in our community groups, when we gather together. And what we see is their devotion to these four priorities of the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, um, resulted in a powerful witness. It says in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church was characterized by praising God. They were characterized by praising God. They praised God publicly in the, in the temple. And they praised God in their home gatherings. They kept proclaiming the excellencies of him who had called them out of the darkness into into his light. Giving praise to God was part of their everyday lives. It overflowed out of them. It's a great way to, to just to witness, to give thanks to God. When people say, hey, how are you doing? Tell them, hey, God's been good to me even though I'm struggling. Or God has shown me his grace. Just publicly frequently, normally interject thanks and praise to God in in how you respond to people. Their joyful and loving fellowship was attractive to those around them, so they had favor with all the people. We shouldn't take away from that that if the church is doing all the right things, that they will always be appreciated by everyone in the community around them. In fact, you don't get too far in Acts before you see opposition and persecution happening. The gospel is good news. Jesus saves sinners. It's good news. But the bad news that gives meaning to the good news is that you cannot save yourself by your own goodness and your religious and moral efforts. That's offensive, especially to religious people. But the people around them couldn't deny the contagious joy and the genuine care and the powerful and vibrant testimony of the reality of Jesus in their lives. As they were together day by day, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. People are saved through the faith in in the message of Christ, that he is the Son of God who entered into our humanity, died for our sin, and was raised from the dead so all who believe in him can be saved. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. So God works through our witness of Christ to save people, but it is the Lord who saves, not the church. 
So the Lord added to their number. And in saving people, the Lord adds people to his church. He doesn't just leave them as disconnected individuals. He designs them to connect together as churches. So may the Lord grant favor to us in 2016 with our family family members and friends and others in our lives who don't know Jesus, that we might share the gospel with them and the Lord would add, add them to his church and be saved. I know several of you have family members and uh, who you have been praying for and sharing Jesus with. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep praying. May 2016 be the year of their salvation. In addition to our personal witness, uh, we have um, connections with others who are sharing the gospel in their community. Uh, Paul Heberling is, is doing it with a friend, just going out in both Camas and Washugal and sharing the gospel. Uh, we also have uh, Harvest Kids. They involve our own kids, but also those from unchurched families, from families who don't necessarily go to church. So they're a great outreach. We also are involved with Young Life, which means Matt Eldridge, as well as others of you who volunteer. Matt is team leader for Camas High School Young Life. We thank God for how fruitful 2015 has been for Young Life this year. Another uh, local is another Matt, Matt Dennis, who works with Delta Ministries, an organization that does training for short-term missions and also coordinates trips for short-term missions teams. We have a, um, a missions focus for unreached people groups. Unreached people groups are groups of people that don't have a gospel witness, a church that can reach them in their own culture. It's not just that they haven't heard the gospel, it's that they don't have access to the gospel. They don't have churches, they don't have disciples of, of Christ in their midst. So we, uh, we, we have a priority in our missions for, for uh, unreached people groups. And because India has more unreached people groups than any other nation, there are 1,942 unreached people groups. That adds up to 1.2 billion people in India that are unreached. We have concentrated our missions partnerships in India. This includes uh, Indian National Inland Mission with, with um, uh, A.J. Pillay and his family. They train and equip workers, plant churches, and care for orphans. Roderick Gilbert uh, has a church planting movement. He's, um, he's a native Indian. He's got an American name, an English name, but he's, he's native. You've, many of you have met him. And they end up planting about 5,000 house churches a year throughout India. And then David and Jera hold. David, before my time, grew up here, uh, going to church here. And they are also going to be in India um, with national partners in church planting, teaching English, and ministering in the slums. We have Sarah Deal. She teaches missionary kids in Tanzania with Wycliffe. She enables those who do Bible translation to be there. So because they can get their, kid, their kids can get education, they're able to be there doing the, the tedious hard work of translating the scriptures into the native languages of the people of, of Tanzania. Uh, we have Dan and Tara Pringle and their four chips with Mission Aviation Fellowship based in southern Spain. They, they serve the church in Spain. 
But Dan's particular work there with, with Mission Aviation Fellowship is uh, he does technology and learning technologies for ministry from North Africa to Central Asia. So he gives direction to the tech, technological learning uh, tools that they have. And uh, Barnabas Ministries is Ron Frost, and he does teaching and encourages mission workers in Europe, in Africa and India. He's also um, been doing a nine-month training program in England called Cordeo, but he's worked himself out of a job, so he doesn't do that anymore. So let's devote ourselves to teaching the scriptures, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And may God grant us uh, Christ-exalting witness and save many more people this year through our ministry.